It all started with a dream. This is so stupid! I've <laughs> been waiting my whole life for this. <laughs> I got some things to say. Dying, but uh. hey, we all are. <laughs> Good morning, Back Row Radio. Welcome to the Morning Side Hug. I'm Matt, and the Morning Side Hug is a completely loving, socially awkward, and decidedly Christian morning show exclusively on BackRowRadio.com. On today's show, we talk about an upcoming music project and did President Trump. Really tell us to inject Lysol into our bodies to kill the coronavirus? We're going to talk all about that and more. But first, today is Monday, April 27th, and it is National Prime Rib Day. Everyone knows you can find prime rib at a nice steakhouse, but can you actually buy it from your neighborhood grocer? Probably not. In honor of National Prime Rib Day this April 27th, let's hear from the experts at Plano, Texas' Matador Prime Steak. They say most grocery stores do not sell prime-grade beef. Most grocery stores sell select and choice. This grade is established by the packing house and is based primarily on the fat content of the animal. And now you know. One other morsel, prime rib, also known as standing rib roast, is a tender, flavorful roast cut from the center of the rib section of the steer. And it's also very delicious. Very delicious. Hey, guys. um, So you might notice still that uh, Mo's not here. Um, Look, during this whole coronavirus thing, we've been doing the... the, uh, Okay, look. uh, I'll be honest. The reason Mo's not been here is not because we're social distancing from each other. I mean, we can record. Our desk that we sit at, we are at least six feet apart. It's not that. It is that my schedule has become so overwhelmingly burdensome that I have not had the time to actually sit down and show prep, which usually takes several hours each week, (coughs) let alone have the time to piece together all of our morning shows uh, over the weekend, because we usually record on Saturday morning, uh, to get them ready for the coming week. You know, with this whole, and I'm sure I've mentioned this uh, in the past, but this whole lockdown when it comes to churches has made media teams become the main ministry of most churches. And so the church I'm at is a relatively small church. You know, we have roughly 200 members, but on any given Sunday, we usually have between 60 and 90 people here. And that's at most, you know, that's like Easter. And for a church this size to even have a media director, it's uncommon because the need isn't always so apparent. And so really what my job basically comes down to is I run the social I run social media accounts. I uh <clears throat> you know pretty up the website, do the videos, you know, put them up, and I get to kind of put a polish on the design work at the, at this church, which, you know, typically is not necessarily uh, a need, but it's nice. It makes us look more professional. And so that's that's my job. 
And suddenly, one Sunday, we decide we have to close up. Who knows when we're going to come back? And now everything that we do, 90% of what we do now is media-based. I'm having to do the work of an entire production team every week. And I'm just the one guy, you know? And so it, it, it's, it's, it's eaten a lot of my time. But in addition to that, I've also been helping out another church. Uh, it's kind of a rural area church. A lot of older folks, they didn't even have a, like a Facebook page or a YouTube channel or anything before this. And so they needed help uh, starting one up. They needed help learning how to record their services, learning how to put them online. And so for the first few weeks, I've been doing that for them, driving out to their church uh, 30 minutes away from our town, recording them on Friday nights as they record their service, coming back, building it all together, getting it uh, ready to live stream or premiere anyway. Uh, and <clears throat> that's coming to an end. Thank goodness. Pardon my coughing, by the way. Um that's coming to an end because they're in Texas. We, we live on about 10 minutes from the border of Texas, and so they're just on the other side of that border. And Texas, they get to open up their churches this coming Sunday, uh, as long as nothing changes between now and then. Uh, of course, with several social distancing rules, but it's a really small church uh, when it comes to the number of people that go there, but it's a relatively big sanctuary, so they've got plenty of room to spread out, and so they're ready to get going again. So thankfully, I'm going to have some more time freed up, and hopefully the plan is Mo and I will start recording again next week. But until then, we uh, we got a few things to talk about today, and we will get into the first of those things at the top of the next hour. But enjoy a little bit of extra music this morning, and I'll see you in just a bit. Welcome back to the Morning Side Hug. I am Matt, and you're listening to an exclusive Back Row Morning Show here on BackRowRadio.com. Glad to have you with me this morning. As I mentioned in the first hour, Mo is out this week, and it's just going to be, you know, I'm going to run this episode just like I have in the last uh, few weeks, and then we'll have some best ofs coming up the rest of the week. And then, of course, Church Nerds on Friday. Hope you all enjoyed the impromptu Church Nerds quarantine week last week. We kind of had that idea last minute, but uh, it was it was quite good listening to all of the last uh, several episodes of Church Nerds in a row, all focused on this quarantine lifestyle. Uh, they're killing it on that show. If you guys have not been listening to Church Nerds on Fridays, you need to do so immediately. Uh, really good stuff. Bubba and Anna bring their A game, and uh, you know it's a different focus. You know our our morning side hug show is is typically more topical with you know current goings on and you know what's in the news. You know they focus specifically at the intersection of church culture and nerd culture, and it is incredibly entertaining. Uh, they are both from the Love Thy Nerd ministry, which, of course, we love. That's also where we get our critical hit devotion, you know, that little two-minute devotion that comes uh, every Tuesday and Thursday and then plays throughout the week from Hector Mira. You know, it's uh, 
it's a fantastic ministry that we just love partnering with any chance we get. So make sure you check them out this Friday at the normal morning show time. Um, so a little bit about what has been going on in my life. As I told you in the first hour, I've been super busy, and that is true. I definitely have been incredibly busy with some very in-depth, difficult projects like creating these live streams. But as time has gone on, I've been able to kind of streamline what I need to do. It's not you know as, as new of a challenge each week. And so it's beginning to get a little easier, beginning to get a little quicker. But I have also been so incredibly stressed because now on top of that, you know, I'm my wife works for a financial institution, so she's essential. So she's still working every single day, eight to five. And that leaves me at home with my two boys, one of which has now having to uh, take school, you know, at home. He's, he's got to work from home. And I've got to kind of be the facilitator of that. And that's been not too terribly difficult, but I can tell that I, I wasn't really ever meant to be a school teacher. You know, that's what I wanted to do. When I was in, when I was in high school, when I was in college, I thought I'd be a teacher. Not a, not a young kids, maybe a high school teacher. But, uh, you know, life has a way of happening. <laughs> and things change. But <clears throat> one of the things that I have done since I was in high school was music, producing music and singing, you know, being a vocalist for different bands and different projects. And I think I counted them all up. Normal albums, I've released about 10 or 11 albums so far, depending on one of which you can count. But when I was in high school, 2002, I started in a band. There was a band called Shifty 150. It was a kid, a bunch of high school kids doing this punk rock band thing. They were not great. Mm, but they lost their lead singer. I don't remember exactly the, the reasoning behind it. They had some sort of infighting in the middle, and they lost it. But they had already booked, like, shows. They had already booked a recording session. You know, they were ready to go. And so when they lost their singer, my friend Bubba and I, Bubba from Church Nerds, were, you know, hanging out with them, and we were kind of being their roadies and, and uh, leading, you know, trying to do some devotional work with them because they were a Christian band, or at least they wanted to be a Christian band. And so when, when they lost their lead singer, they asked me to step in. Now, I had been singing a lot my whole life, but I had been more of a, you know, a traditional, you know, singer. Not, not a punk rock, gruff-sounding kind of, you know, angry boy <laughs> vocalist. So they asked me to step in, and I said, this sounds amazing. And so we would practice in this dude's bedroom, and... During practices, I'm like, we actually sound pretty dang good. Like, I was, I was surprised at how well it came together. And then we went to the recording thing. And the recording thing was different. So we're all separated. Like, some guy had, you know, had made his house into a recording studio. 
So we were all separated in different rooms of this house trying to hear each other through headphones and all record at the same time. And I got super nervous about that. And when I started singing, I started to sing really melodically, not like a punk rocker. The guy had to stop us and said, you know, you're trying to sound like in sync the way you're singing when you're going for, you know, an MXPX kind of sound. And so I had to give it a whole nother go and re-record my parts for pretty much the whole album. Uh, and then the album was garbage. And, <laughs> and uh, the main guy behind it all basically decided the day we finished recording that he didn't want to be in a band anymore and kicked us all out because, you know, it was his house and most of the instruments were his. And he's like, now we're done. And that was fun. That was real fun. <laughs> but Bubba and I, we got the itch. We got the itch from that point on. And so Bubba and I actually started making a bunch of acoustic songs ourselves over the next couple years. And one of the big ones was a Christmas song we made. It was a goofy Christmas song called uh, My Snowman Melted in New Mexico. Uh, it was really fun. We did it for the first time at a talent show at our school. Like it was a Christmas variety show, I guess you'd call it. And huge laughs. We got a nice recording of it uh, from the live version. So a lot of laughter. It's really fun to just go back and listen to it and reminisce. And we actually got to do that. That next year, I believe it was, for the Christmas uh, Christmas variety, no, not variety, what is it, show choir, that's what it was. The show choir would go around and do different community events during Chris the Christmas season, and we got to go and perform that song by ourselves, which was really neat. And then we got called into like this big church that does this christmas eve service with a bunch of different people coming up and doing specials and we got asked to sing that goofy song for that too and that was really cool you know it, it opened a lot of cool doors we even got to record like a good version of it and got airplay on our local radio stations during that christmas year uh it was just really neat we we did wind up recording an album uh of course it's an acoustic album so of course it's not fantastic but uh our buddy chuck tipton uh, helped us out with that, uh, with all his equipment. He was actually our choir director in high school. Uh, really nice guy, passed away a few years ago, but a fantastic dude that left a lasting impression on Bubba and I. Uh, we got that album recorded. We made a like a second album along with it, kind of like a bonus disc with just a bunch of goofy stuff that we had messed around with and different versions of things. Um, so those are the first three. First album, oh, I forgot, yeah, our band... That, that punk rock band, we renamed ourselves Table 13, which was supposed to represent the Last Supper. It had 13 people at the table. It wasn't incredibly deep, but that's... <laughs> so that was our album. Uh, Table 13, self-titled album. Uh, it was awful. I doubt you can find any of it online anywhere. Bubba and I, two years later, we came out with an album called Finally, and then the bonus disc was called On Second Thought. And uh, finally, we chose that title because it was like we'd been working on this for two years. Finally, we got to put it out. But it was also like we're graduating, we're moving on, so this is probably the last thing we're doing too. So it's like finally, this is the final project. Uh, on second thought was the bonus disc, uh, but it was just a little 
you know, a throw-in. We threw that away. And that was pretty neat because we actually got to sell those in a store. We had a Christian bookstore here in town, and uh, we made those up ourselves, and we got to sell them from the store. And I'm, they, we don't, they, oh, they bought five copies, and five copies got bought. That's all I know, and to me, that was a gigantic win. That was a huge win for us. <laughs> we sold we sold five whole albums, and we sold them for five dollars a piece. We sold them for five whole albums. It was really neat. Um, so moving on from that, we went to college. We went to college, Bubba, far away from me, and so you know we were done. We were done at that point until I realized that there were people online who would make music for people to then create songs with. And so I jumped on that. I called myself Matthias back then. That was kind of my nickname in high school. I I called myself Matthias and I made an album called Free Play. And it was hot garbage. But at the time, I thought it was really good. But it it was only really good in comparison to the fact that, you know, it had a full band sound because these were fully produced tracks as opposed to the acoustic music that I'd been working with for the last couple of years, which while it sounds great, it's, you know, lackluster at times. And so I had this really full driving music and I was excited about it. And, oh, man, I think there's maybe four songs, three or four songs on that album that I can still listen to and not totally cringe. But yeah, none, none of them are fantastic. Followed that up with an album called Rainfall. That one was a little bit more melodic, a little bit more melancholy. Uh, but again, still maybe, maybe a few more songs that are a little bit more palatable uh, still today, but not much. Overall, album's pretty garbage. Started, so that was 2004, no, 2005, the free play came out, 2006 was Rainfall. I started working on another one in 2006, and I made like three or four songs for it, and then that's when I kind of fell into my bottomless pit. That's when I hit rock bottom in my own personal life with my own addictions, and basically put all of my life and all of my projects on hold for two, three years. And so fast forward to 2009, my life is starting to come back together. I'm starting to get myself put back together and trying to get some semblance of normalcy. And I decide it's time to make some music. And so I start right back up and I finish out that album. The album was originally going to be called A Question of Why, based on a song on that title, that album, which at the point in 2009, I hated that song. It was probably my least favorite song on the album, so I changed it to Doomsday, and it was heavily Superman-inspired. Um, had a lot of weird tracks on this. I would call this my experimental album. A lot of weird avenues I decided to take. No no track, no two tracks sounded alike. Everything was completely different. Uh, there was no co- cohesiveness. Ah, ah, Alexa, shush your mouth. Alexa over here making all kinds of noise. Sheesh. Anyway, <laughs> where was I? <laughs> My rambling storytelling. Uh, yeah, not, not a cohesive album at all, but there were quite a few songs on there that I like. 
probably from a personal standpoint, like this is just my own personal weird taste. There's still, I don't think there's anything on that album that I would ever put on Back Row Radio. In fact, pretty much everything from that album back would never be on Back Row Radio <laughs> unless it was some weird uh, showcase. Uh, so 2009, that ends. That whole kind of chapter of my music ends. And I decide I want to make an album of just my favorite songs, like a cover album. Just an album full of covers from my, my favorite Christian and secular songs. And even though it was called, it was called Cover Me, I'm Going In. And the subtitle was Matthias Sings His Favorites. But I also put in the White Lantern logo in the image. White Lantern logo, which is another story for another time. But that is a, a, a storyline from DC Comics that... I really connect with when it comes to my personal story and my testimony. I even have that as a tattoo on my arm that I can see every day. I'm looking at it right now. Um, a lot of symbolism behind it, but I was moving into the vein of calling myself White Lantern instead. That would be my, my stage name, as it were. And I... Uh, I sang a bunch of my favorite songs half of them were all right, half of them weren't. There's a couple that were really good uh, that I think are radio worthy that you can hear. I did a cover of Missing Person by Michael W. Smith, which is one of my all-time favorite songs and one of my all-time favorite recordings that I've done. It's, it's, really, it's really, in my opinion, uh, one of my best. And then I passed that around. Every one of these albums, by the way, since starting with my own anyway, we've passed out for free. You know, it's, 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 we want to give it away uh, as kind of a, almost a ministry. We want to give it away for free, let people experience it. And if there's something that touches their heart and ministers to them, that's perfect. And so that's what I've done with all of these. And most of that distribution has been at my church. And uh, that's where I've gotten, so that's where I got most of my fans, quote unquote, is from my church connections. Um. So as I transition into White Lantern, the first album that I make under that moniker is a Christmas album called Star. And I actually make quite a few songs, and several of them, most of them, are originals. There are a few covers on there, uh, most originals, and you'll hear quite a few of them on the station around, um, around Christmas time, of course. And then that led into my first official big album as White Lantern. I called it A Lot to Learn. And at the time, I was very excited about it. But I also knew in the back of my mind that there were a few songs on here that didn't come out the way that I wanted. But I was also not motivated enough to go back and redo them from scratch. You know what I mean? Because I, I wasn't even positive that I could do better. But they were good enough that I wanted them to at least be out there. But looking back on it now, I just see them as just not fantastic. And I remember thinking that at the time. And in fact, I've thought that about every album I've ever made, that there are at least a few tracks on here that aren't great. I wish I had done them better, but I don't hate them enough that I'm going to redo them. You know what I mean? But A Lot to Learn was actually the best thing that I had produced at that point. And there were several tracks on there that I really liked. 
Uh, we have a lot to learn. We had our mashup of How He Loves and Sinking Ship. Uh, my wife did a lot on that album with me. I kind of folded her into the band name of White Lantern. She did a lot on that album with me. Uh, even had a song of her own on there, which is really good. We even did a cover of uh, Thousand Years, that song from uh, Twilight, <laughs> which I really liked. Uh, but it, that, I mean, it was fun. But that was back in 2014, which seems like a lifetime ago. I mean, it was only six years ago, but it seems like forever. So I made that, um, I made Doomsday in 2009. In 2011, I came out with a best of album, which I collected just like all my favorites because mainly I wanted to kind of have people forget about the, the crappy songs from the past. Um, put that out, made a few more songs on there that I really like still, um, but aren't, aren't radio worthy in my opinion. Uh, but they were fun, at least to put together. I still have some good memories about them. One of them was seven and a half minutes long. Uh, but it was deeply emotional. Uh, it was one that I had written about a girl from high school that we never really, we never dated so much, but we did have a really, really deep connection for a long time. Uh, she was very obnoxious, but there was something uh, about her spirit that really connected with mine. We were almost like the anti-versions of each other. But we wanted each other to succeed, you know what I mean? And she passed away. Uh, and that's a whole nother story for a whole nother time. But I felt tremendous guilt after she passed away because I knew she wasn't a believer. And I never really did anything to try and change that. And that had a big impact on me. I can't believe I was about to skip over that whole story. Whew. Okay. So, Best Of came out in 2011. The cover album, Cover Me, I'm Going In, was 2012. Christmas album was at the tail end of 2013. And the big A Lot to Learn album came out in February of 2014, so just a few months later. And... Once that was over, like there were a lot of good songs in there, but once that was over, I felt like I was done. I felt like, you know, this this was fun, but I don't feel like I'm ever going to reach a point where I'm totally satisfied with the product that I'm putting out. I don't know how much of an impact my music is having on people. And I just kind of hung that up. I said this was a good experiment, it was a good hobby. But I'm done with it now. And so that's kind of how things went. And for the next several years, the only music I would make were parodies under Backrow Baptist, my, my online Twitter name and YouTube channel. And you can still find all these parodies on the YouTube channel, Backrow Radio, um, going back, I think, to 2015. And I recently put them together into a noise trade album. By the way, you can find all these songs from all these albums on my Noise Trade. Just search for White Lantern on Noise Trade. Um, free. Download them for free. But I put that together as a, as a kind of a, a collection, as it were. It wasn't really an album, but it was a collection of all of my parodies. And those were really fun. Those were really fun to put together. And the more that I did them, the more I got uh, better at making them and producing them. And then... I, uh, I got the bug a bit. You know what? You want to know who put the bug back in my ear? It was NF. 
NF was the one that put me back in the, the mindset of wanting to make music again. And I think it's because NF went so hard into delving into his darkness, his dark side, his pain, telling his real story, not trying to whitewash a smile on every single track that he made. And that's what I feel like I always tried to do. Like even songs that were about my doubts and my struggles and my, my sins and my demons, I would always try and wrap them up in some happy bow at the end. Not just with hope, but, but it's almost like we do with Christian movies. Where you can have the darkest elements in it, but it's always going to be wrapped up at the end in a neat and tidy bow, you know, a nice little package of, of pure Jesus, you know, and <laughs> there's no more room for struggle, no more room for error. And that's not life. That's not real life. That's not a real Christian's life. That's, that's such a, a rare occurrence in reality. And when that doesn't happen for us, we get, well, we get more depressed and we get more down. We're like, why am I not a perfect Christian? Seems to come so easy to all these people. And so the more I did this, the more I realized that music can be something different. Music can explore the doubts, can explore the struggles. And of course, we started the Backward Baptist podcast around that same time, which eventually turned into Backward Radio, but it turned into Backward Radio because on the Backward Baptist podcast, we focused on featuring indie Christian artists. Like I once considered myself, giving them a platform to actually share their music with people who might not have otherwise ever heard it. And so those were kind of inspiring me too. Like, man, if only I could produce better, if only I could make things better. And so I kind of was teaching myself to do that over the time as I was making these parody songs uh, for Back Row Radio, for ba- or Back Row Baptist. And... I got to the point where I was ready to make a song. And so I made a song kind of in the style of NF called uh, Man in the Mask. And it's probably the weakest song on the album. But I put it out there. It got an okay response. As for myself, I'm still thrilled that I pulled it off anywhere near as good that I did. (laughs) Like I wrote these raps myself. I came up with these flows myself. Uh, but it told my story, and so it's not it's not widely applicable. But you know that's that's one of the things NF is known for. He has several songs that are specifically his story. You know they're not really easily placed on somebody else. You know you're living through his mind. You're looking through his eyes to see his story, and that's kind of how I wrote this song. I did a couple covers as well around that time just to test that out. Some of my favorite songs, uh, which are also on this upcoming album. And then my father passed away. And about a year later, when Christmas started rolling around again this past Christmas, I, I had to deal with my emotions. My emotions were starting to hit me again harder than they did shortly after he died. So I had to deal with these emotions somehow. And I, had to, I made a song. I found some music online by somebody who was making this, you know, free to use and I built a song from it and that's one of my favorite songs it's one of my favorite things I've ever done and so 
that really worked as a stress reliever at that time. And that was only a few months ago. You know, that was in, I think, November when I made it, maybe early December. But other than that brief period, stress hasn't been a big factor for me lately. I've been doing really well. I've been losing weight. I've been, you know, killing projects. I've been doing all kinds of of fun, amazing things. And then COVID-19 happened. And all of this stuff just piled on top of me. And my stress was going through the roof. Still is. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm still very stressed out all the time. But I, I decided that I needed a relief. I have a lot of hobbies, but most of them still have stress involved. This radio station, a lot of stress. Writing books, a lot of stress. But making music, for some reason, every aspect of it, relieves my stress. It is an outlet that I love. Finding the right song, the right producer, crafting my own lyrics to the music, telling a story the best way I can, recording all the different parts, playing with all the production sound and and tweaking this and that to make it sound the best it can. It's such a big stress relief, such a creative outlet. And so I decided I was going to take the few songs that I'd already recorded and I'm going to finish this out as an album. And I've wound up making, I don't know, six or seven more songs just in the last month. And I'm happy with all of them. I have never been more satisfied with a project than I am with this. Now you might hear it when I release it on Friday. You might hear it and say, this is straight garbage. But I hear it as the best stuff I've ever made. With the most honest heart that I've ever made something with. And I'm telling all the stories I've always wanted to tell. When it comes to my relationships, when it comes to my demons, when it comes to my hope in this world, my recovery process, I'm telling all the stories that I have on me. And I honestly think this really could be it. Not because I'm tired of it, not because I, I don't think I have it in me, but because this is the high note. I don't think I can make any more music better than this. This is my my magnum opus. And so I'm going to release this on Friday. It's an album called The Curve by White Lantern. I'm going to release it to YouTube. I'm going to release it on Noise Trade. It's going to be 100% free. You can download it. You can take it. You can enjoy it. And I hope it touches your heart. 13 tracks, 11 of them normal, two of them Christmas-themed, representing everything in my mind. A lot of original songs telling my stories, a lot of cover songs that speak to my heart, and I really hope you enjoy it. 
And I'm going to give you a glimpse of it right now. Right now I'm going to give you a glimpse of it. This is a track unreleased so far. It is a cover song, but it is produced with new music. It's a cover of Mike Maines and the Branches song, Breathing Underwater, which I feel encapsulated my marriage back in 2006 after my sins were found out. Give it a listen real quick. In the morning of a coffee, threw my heart on the table, told you what I've done in the dark. You felt far away. I was gonna be a shelter, told you why you fell asleep. We were in the back of my car before you were far away. Now that you see the darkness in me, won't you please, please?
That was the White Lantern version of Breathing Underwater, a cover of Mike Maines and the Branches. Uh, It is coming up on a brand new album releasing this Friday from Triple Scoop Music. You'll find it on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, Back Row Radio. You will find it on Noise Trade. Just hit up there, search White Lantern uh, this Friday. It'll be free. You can go there right now to Noise Trade and find all the previous music that I made. Just realize that none of it's going to be as good as what's coming out this Friday. This Friday, I am so excited to release this album for you guys for free for you to enjoy you will not find it on spotify you will not find it anywhere for purchase but you will find it on noise trade for free and you'll find it on our youtube channel as well all right guys that has been enough of story time with matt we're gonna get to the real music out there and we'll be back at the top of the next hour Welcome back to the Morning Side Hug here on Back Row Radio. I'm Matt flying solo today, and I've got a confession. Uh, before, before I got into any of the Back Row Radio stuff, before I got into the Back Row Baptist stuff, the stuff that I was really passionate about was politics. In fact, beginning with the 2004 election, I have been so interested in politics that it overtakes a lot of my life. (laughs) And I know that that's a dangerous, dangerous thing. And so for the most part, ever since being in recovery and, and honestly, I feel like God has, has raised the empathy level in me, uh, for a lot of people, especially those that disagree with me, Ever since then, I've been, I've been trying my hardest to avoid politics. Now, one of the things that I do do with about 95% uh, success is avoid online debates about religion and politics. Because I know that people don't go online to find new opinions. People go online to enter an echo chamber and to stir the pot. I understand that. And so... That being something that I've learned, it still hurts when you see someone being blatantly wrong or even worse, blatantly dishonest, and you really want to call them out on it. But you know that the moment you say anything, you're going to be attacked by people who disagree with you, and you'll be flooded by the opposite opinion, the the easiest opinion out there, and... All you'll be left is frustrated. And frankly, 
frankly, that's just a, it's a difficult way to live, especially online. And so I, uh, I typically keep politics to myself. I typically keep most religious debates to myself. And if someone actually comes and asks my opinion, that's when I let stuff out. But I will say with all of the COVID-19 stuff and all of the, the nonsense we've been seeing coming out uh, here and there at different places, it's been really hard for me to keep my mouth shut. I mean, so hard. To the point where last week I made a, a impulse decision to start a brand new show here on Back Row Radio that discuss those two things. I even called it the two things we don't discuss, religion and politics. And I made one episode and I was happy with it for a few days. And then I kind of came to my senses and thought, you know, maybe I don't really need... Number one, I don't need another show to produce every week, but I really don't need that outlet. Because even though I think the first show was respectful and I want to keep it that way and I wanted to keep it focused on, you know, kind of an empathetic worldview, an empathetic take on politics in general, I still know I know me, man. And I know it's going to be a dangerous precedent to set. So that's not happening. Deleted the show page, deleted the podcast. It's not happening. We're not going to keep doing that show. But I am going to be more open to discussing political and religious topics very occasionally on the Morning Side Hug. This being one of those occasions. Frankly, we're in a situation where it's almost impossible to avoid them. And with uh, daily or near daily press briefings from the president... And all this going on, uh, Congress meeting in and out, not knowing which health expert to listen to because despite them saying that there's a clear message out there, what we're supposed to be doing right now, you know full well that there's not. You know full well that it changes every single week and we are hearing conflicting information from every corner of the world, all of which that is touted to be accurate. One thing I don't understand is how on earth we are trusting the World Health Organization with what we're supposed to be doing when they have clearly and I mean, there's no there's it's nothing. There's nothing but evidence There's nothing but proof. Like, we have the video. We have the articles. We have every press release, everything that they've said since the beginning. They have been carrying China's water. And China has been lying the whole time about where it came from, about whether it was transmissible to humans, about when it started, about how many people had it, about how easily it was transmitted. All of it, they've been lying. All of it, they've been lying. And yet... We still think that the World Health Organization is supposed to be our go-to for this. They're the ones that told us, hey, you don't need masks. Now, all of a sudden, we need masks. They're the ones that told us, hey, China has been able to stop this completely. We haven't had any new deaths, any new cases in weeks and weeks. And then finally comes back saying, oh, well, except for the 30-whatever thousand that died you know, I don't know how many it was, but it's just, I'm rambling, and this is exactly the danger that I had. 
<clears throat> what I really hate right now is the media treating us like we're stupid. Donald Trump got up at a press briefing last week and said a garble of words, okay? He was thinking out loud. He was talking about UV rays, UV light, and how that UV light is almost like a disinfectant, which is exactly how we use UV light. You've seen the things for cleaning your phone, for cleaning your toothbrush, where you put them in a UV light thing and it disinfects it. It kills the germs. That's what he was talking about. He used the term, you know what, let's play what he said. Let's play the whole clip of what he said. And then you tell me what you get out of it. Here you go. Thank you very much. So I'm going to ask Bill a question that probably some of you are thinking of if you're totally into that world, which I find to be very interesting. So supposing we hit the body with a tremendous, uh, whether it's ultraviolet or just very powerful light, and I think you said that hasn't been checked, but you're going to test it. And then I said, supposing you brought the light inside the body, you can, which you can do either through the skin or uh, in some other way. And I think you said you're going to test that, too. Sounds interesting. We'll the right, folks who could. right. And then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or or almost a cleaning, because you see it gets on the lungs and it does a tremendous number of the lungs. So it'd be interesting to check that. So that you're going to have to use medical doctors with. But it sounds it sounds interesting to me. So we'll see. But the whole concept of the light, the way it kills it in one minute, that's uh, that's pretty powerful. So again, if you heard that in its full context, which I'm sure if you didn't actually watch the briefing, you didn't, then what you heard online and on CNN and on all these other news stations is that Trump said to take disinfect it and inject it into your body. And that is the media narrative that's been run wild. Trump says, take a syringe full of Lysol and mainline it right into your circulatory system. I've even some some have even speculated he meant just drink drink a cup of bleach. That'll do the job. Guys, if you took that article at face value, if you took those news stories at face value that said Trump said to take disinfectant, they even went far as to say that Trump prescribed this to the American people. God. You aren't kicking on all cylinders. That's all I'm saying. If that's what you took away from it. Was he clear? Absolutely not. He was spitballing right there, talking with a couple of his scientific doctors in the room. <clears throat> Pardon me. That are the ones that are really running this stuff. He was spitballing about something that he doesn't really know much about. And so... When he's saying, like, taking light and put it inside the body, someone who doesn't know what's happening might be thinking, uh, he's taught, what, you grab a ball of sunlight and eat it? And then when he said disinfectant, that kills the germs in one minute. 
The word disinfected does automatically bring up what we think of as disinfectant. Lysol, bleach, stuff of that nature. But again, as we discussed, he's talking about UV rays. He set up the entire discussion there about UV rays. And even at the end, he said, you know, the disinfectant that kills it in one minute, even at the end, he clarified there the UV light that kills it in one minute. The in one minute part should give you a clue that he is talking about UV light as a disinfectant. And when he said the word injection, which was wrong, He's simply trying to find the right word for getting that UV light to work for someone who has the disease in their body. I don't know how to exactly put it in the right words. He didn't either. But nobody with any reasonable shred of intelligence would come away and think he meant drink bleach. Lysol, the company did not have to come out with a press release saying, don't inject yourself with Lysol. Trump never said Lysol. Trump never said bleach. He used a word, disinfectant, meaning UV light and its power to disinfect. In context of what he was talking about and listening to his whole clip would have clued you into the fact that he was not talking about Lysol and bleach. And here's the problem. The real problem with the media is not so much that they run with this, like this. The real problem is that they think you're stupid. They think you're too stupid to realize they're playing a game. To realize that their only goal is to make Trump dangerous. Is Trump a great president? Not really, in my opinion. Is Trump dangerous? No. He's actually done quite a good job for such an unprecedented circumstance. But here's... Look, you might call me a conspiracy theorist, but here's really what I think the media is trying to accomplish. I think that they're putting this story, they put that story so, they, they covered the wide swath of the news cycle with the president said, inject yourself with Lysol. And even though our, all their articles are saying, definitely don't do this, they are hoping that there is one stupid person out there who is so in support of Trump that they'll read that article, assume that it's true, assume that's what the president said, and then actually do it and kill themselves. Because imagine the backlash then. We had the backlash following the lady who drank fish tank cleaner that was touted as it being President Trump's fault that he essentially murdered this woman's husband. Imagine that scenario playing out again. And they can again blame President Trump for someone making a stupid, reckless decision without listening to the proper context. Again, in this situation, Trump was talking to the doctors 
saying that they are working on UV light treatments and he was just trying his best to somehow explain it, not having any of the real knowledge of how any of it works, like any of us would when we're in that situation. He has been a president that wants to offer hope to people. And even that direct question has been asked. Why would you want to offer hope at a time like this? Guys, hope is all we have. Hope that things are going to get back to normal and soon. Hope that this thing doesn't rebound and become worse than it used to be. Hope that this thing is going to die off or mutate in a way that SARS or MERS did to where it becomes not so much of an issue anymore. And so Trump comes out with these press briefings just to keep giving us hope. Now, sure, does he grandstand on there occasionally? Sure. Is part of it going to be because he's trying to get reelected? Of course. But at the same time, I think he's doing it to actively combat the media's desire to keep us confused and panicked. I mean, do you really think it's a coincidence that we have conflicting reports of things, conflicting information about what we should do and what the virus is, coming from the same news sources within the same few days? I mean, do you really think that all of this is just them trying to provide their best information? When their political agenda is so clearly visible? Now, again, this is the media at large. I'm not going to point fingers at specific people. There are specific people I'd like to point fingers at, but I won't. Guys, if you're going to get news from the press briefings, I encourage you to watch them yourself. Watch the unedited feeds. They leave them up. They're all over YouTube. Usually the like smaller Fox affiliates will have the full videos or the White House will release them themselves. Don't watch the recaps on CNN. I know that the press briefings are long. I don't know if he's, I think he's backing off. I don't think he's going to do them every day anymore, but I know that they're long. And I know if you want to know that information, get it by watching it yourself. There's still journalists there that'll still ask questions, but at least you'll get the full answers. You'll get the full story. You'll see the full context of what's happening. Because if for no other reason, this situation should prove to you that the media will take a small snippet of something, spiral it out of control, and be so reckless with it, it could actually cause the harm it claims it's trying to not cause. I am not telling you to only listen to like conservative commentators. I'm not telling you to never watch the news. But I am telling you, be your own source of information. Listen to both sides before you make some sort of decision. Make sure that you're hearing the full context of the clips that they're showing you in the news or on the commentary or in the podcast or definitely, definitely on Twitter. Oh my gosh, Twitter is a nutball factory when it comes to crazy political commentary. You've got to do better. There is a company out there. Let me see if I can pull up the name of it. The flip side. Uh, the flip side is uh, a daily news newsletter. I believe it's called the flip side. Yeah, there we go. It's a daily newsletter. It's it's something that comes through email. 
where they take a current topic, current political topic, and they get really good commentary from both the left and the right. It shows you an equal footing of opinions on a subject. And occasionally it shows you, you know, like a a middle ground, a neutral uh, comment as well. I have been following that for quite some time. That's that's been emailed to my feed uh, most every day. And I find it to be a a pretty balanced source. And it'll help you decide which side you're leaning towards more. I, I would recommend you go check it out, the flip side. Find it online. I think the website is theflipside.io. Check that out. Uh, on a, on a, another bit, though, a little lighter note. <laughs> As this is proven, Donald Trump it does not always have a way with words. He, he says things that are strange, catch people off guard. They're not necessarily... Uh, you know, like frightening, they're just weird or sometimes kind of embarrassing. And that's kind of been the case for him, his whole uh, political career. You know, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not the same as what's going on with Joe Biden. Joe Biden, I I don't know if he's just, you know, has dementia coming on or or what, uh, but whatever the case, it's hard to track anything that he's saying lately. Uh, But Donald Trump, he just gets, he tries to get too flowery for his own good. And it doesn't always work out well. On Twitter, there was a, a collection, you know, it was a mean-spirited video called We Stand Behind the President. And it was actually a collection of videos of people who were standing behind him as he was talking and were reacting to a weird thing that he said. Some of them are likely just, you know, actually capturing someone's awkward, uh, quiet face, you know, when you're standing behind and you're actively listening. Sometimes you make awkward faces that you don't understand. But uh, clearly some of them are actually reacting to what he's saying. And it was actually quite funny. Mean-spirited, but pretty darn funny, uh, if you want to search that out. Guys, uh... I promise I won't let this become a habit. I just had to get that off my chest. They're just, I mean, there's a lot of political nonsense going on all the time. But this just, this was a whole nother level of nonsensical that I just had to say something. Honestly, I wasn't even going to do a show today. It was going to be four best ofs, and we were going to come back next week with new shows. But I had to get this off my chest. I had to say something. And so there it is. I've laid it out for you. Oh, gosh, what's this world doing to me? COVID-19. I hate it. I hate it. I want it to be over. I'm going to have a mental breakdown right here on the show. Right here on the morning show. Just have a mental breakdown right in front of you. In front of God and everybody. You're all going to hear me just break the heck down right here in a minute. All that you'll hear on your radio station is just a quiet sob in the background as I slowly slip into madness. <laughs> okay, enough of that. Guys, I love you. Stick around. I'll be back in a few to close out the show.
Welcome back to the Morning Side Hug. I am Matt, and I'm going to close out the show for today. But first, I'm going to share with you something that I love. Something that I love this week is the Galaxy Buds Plus. They're wireless earbuds. They're the you know the Samsung equivalent, uh, but they're completely different from the Apple uh, ear. I what are they called? Ear. Are they called ear? What are they called? What are the Apple ones called? Apple Buds? Apple earbuds are called what? Earpods. <laughs> you see, I thought earpods, but then I thought, no, that sounds so stupid. There's no way they're really called earpods. They are. Okay. Oh, man. Sorry, Apple. Anyway, they're completely different style-wise and uh, in a lot of the features. But I'm glad I waited for the, the Galaxy Buds Plus because the main issue, <coughs> or the main feature, is that they last forever. It's like 11 hours. That's a long time. Previously, it was like 6. That's 11 per charge. It's fantastic. Uh, the idea that the carrying case also charges them up again, that's brilliant. I mean, I know, I'm late to the party. I'm late to the party with the, with the wireless earbuds. But I know that there's several people out there like me who have been skeptical of trying them out. But I was kind of forced to when I lost my headphone jack when I got my new phone. <coughs> but yeah, they're, they're fantastic. But wh what I really like about them is the ambient... Um, you're able to turn on and off ambient noise around you, meaning that you can still listen to the full sound of whatever you listen to, music or podcast, but you can still hear the world around you. If someone's talking to you or if you, you know, are on your bike or walking through the grocery store, you know, you can hear the, the world around you and you can adjust that volume up and down. Um, it's nice. I can, I can pop them in while I'm working my janitor job. And still be able to hear if someone hollers out my name down the hallway. You know, that's, that's a fantastic uh, new feature that, you know, you don't get with normal earbuds or uh, other wi wireless headphone setups. But, uh, yeah, there's, it's, uh, the sound quality also is fantastic. The bass, uh, the, the microphone quality on the earbuds for, like, phone calls is fantastic. Most people don't even know that I'm talking wirelessly uh, through the Bluetooth earbuds. Uh, so, yeah. Not, I mean, it's not a sponsor, but I love them. So, if you're a, if you're a Galaxy Hound like I am, uh, get, yourself some, get yourself some Samsung Galaxy Buds Plus, man. Can't go wrong. They're worth, they're worth the price. Worth the price. And they fit wonderful. And they're just all around great. Just can't say enough about them. Hey, Bible verse of the day. Bible verse of the day, everybody, is James 1.26. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Whew. Which is honestly why I typically try and stay away from religious and political debates. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go take a uh, take a slice of humble pie and close the show out for today. Best ofs coming tomorrow, Wednesday and Thursday. 
And then a new episode of Church Nerds, I believe, this Friday. So keep coming back. New episode of Celebrating Recovery this Wednesday night. And uh, just a lot of good stuff. Check the schedule, man. Check the sketch. Join us over at our Facebook group, Back Row Baptist Church. You can go to brbchurch.com to get there really easily. Follow us on all the socials at Back Row Radio. Subscribe to the podcast, The Morning Side Hug. Just go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Search for The Morning Side Hug and get your old subscribe button uh, clicked on there. So you'll be able to catch every episode. And, you know, like I said, Moe's coming back hopefully this weekend. If everything goes correctly, this coming weekend, Moe's going to be back in the studio. I don't know how many shows we're going to be able to record, but we're going to get some where it's her and I together at least. Uh, and then hopefully soon we'll be able to start recording on a regular basis again and get these kicking out every week. feels like we get a good few months in and then some other major crisis happens. And we can't do shows regularly. And that really bums me out. And I'm really sorry because I know it bums you guys out too. But I do appreciate you sticking around with us. And remember, there are now, I think, 212 episodes of this show. So there's plenty for you to go back and listen to uh, if you got some withdrawals of Matt and Mo. All right. All right. Love you guys. Have a fantastic week. We'll see you next week.